from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. For all of you who attended the Alien Cosmic Expo today and all weekend, I trust you had a great time out at the Toronto Airport Marriott Hotel. Keep checking the live events page up at strangeplanet.ca, incidentally, because I have another event this summer, a Culticon at the Mythwood Campgrounds in Holstein, Ontario. That's happening all weekend, July 13th, 14th, 15th. I'll be there on the 14th, Saturday, July the 14th. You can check out all the details at occulticon.ca or, again, go to the live events page at strangeplanet.ca. Now, what you are about to hear is a rebroadcast of a program that originally aired back on February the 23rd, 2014. In Hour 1, Dr. John Hall will talk about electronic harassment and mind control, and then in Hour 2, the first half, futurist and trends researcher Gerald Salente, and then in the last half hour... The last interview I conducted with Nils Hammerin. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Nils was the author of a book called Seal of the End Times. I met Nils back in the early 90s when I was producing a talk radio a program at another station. Uh, and then Nils became a regular on my radio show, and he was on my television program as well. About a month ago, I learned that Nils passed away back in April, actually. He was 88 He and his wife Beth were traveling in their car when it seemed to spontaneously combust. Uh, Beth suffered serious burns to her legs, and she's still recovering. Nils uh, and she were taken to a hospital. That's when they discovered Nils had a stroke. They also discovered he had a brain tumor, and uh, he passed away in April. God bless you on your journey, my friend. This one is for you. Before the show, I was reading an interesting story out of the University of Malta, and scientists there are working on a rather interesting device. The story goes, Scientists at the University of Malta think touch screens are for suckers. Mind control devices. Now that's where it's at. Outfitted in an electrode-studded cap, users of the group's specially designed music software are able to play a song, fast-forward tracks, and adjust the volume by merely looking at the screen. While we don't yet understand our brains in great detail, we do get the broad strokes. The brain uses a combination of electrical and chemical signals to compute, and repetitive thoughts equate to repeating electrical brain patterns. By feeding test subjects controlled stimuli and recording the subsequent patterns, we can reverse the process in the future. Even if we don't know what the subject is doing, when we see a familiar pattern, we can infer their look, what they're looking at, hearing, seeing, or even thinking the same thing they were in the original experiment. Do you see where this is going? The University of Malta researchers, for example, observed the electrical patterns made by subjects' brains when they looked at flickering boxes on a screen. As the flickering frequency varied, so too did each brain's electrical patterns. The group recorded the various brain patterns, assigned each frequency and action, play, pause, fast-forward, volume, and coded the software to take certain actions when particular patterns were detected. And voila, mind-controlled Spotify. So here's the thing. When one of these stories uh, about some technological advancement comes out, I'm always thinking to myself, if they're publicly acknowledging what they can do now, they've probably been working on this for several decades. And this release of information is what they figure we can handle. 
what we useless eaters, what we sheeple can handle. Kind of a slow, controlled release. But meanwhile, what they've really got in their hands is something far more advanced. Fifty years beyond our wildest imagination, as Ben Rich of Skunk Works used to say. So another example. Recently, some researchers at MIT announced they are now able, get this, they are now able to basically implant false memories in mice. Right, mice. So I'm guessing they had that down in about 1975. So what are they capable of now? What are the folks at DARPA capable of doing now? Scientists at the University of California at Berkeley are working on brain decoding, reading minds, scanning blobs of brain activity. So scientists may be able to decode people's thoughts, their dreams, even their intentions. Again, if they're going public with it now, ask yourself, how much further advanced is this technology? Groups around the world are using techniques like this to try to decode brain scans, decipher what people are seeing, hearing, feeling, as well as what they remember or even dream about. Neuroscientists can predict what a person is seeing or dreaming by looking at their brain activity. You heard me correctly. Media reports have suggested such techniques bring mind reading from the realms of fantasy to fact and could influence the way we do just about everything. The Economist in London even cautioned its readers to be afraid and speculated on how long it will be until scientists promise telepathy through brain scans. Not fantasy, folks. Ask the nearly 300,000 Americans who believe their brains, their minds, have already been hacked. Many of these victims of electronic harassment and mind control genuinely believe their intentions are known, their minds are being read, they have false memories being implanted, their dreams are being invaded, they're being targeted by some direct energy weapon that causes incredibly painful biological effects, including burning, heart palpitations, tinnitus, severe headaches, near total sleep deprivation. Well... We're going to talk about electronic harassment and mind control tonight. And you're about to meet a man who was minding his own business, practicing medicine, in fact, when his life was turned upside down after he discovered electronic harassment is real. The technology is real. And the victims are countless. This could be happening to your coworker, your neighbor, maybe. It's happening to you. Dr. John Hall is a medical doctor in San Antonio, Texas, and the author of A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America. He's a board-certified diplomat of the American Board of Anesthesiology and a member of the American Academy of Pain Medicine. He's also an active member of the Mind Science Foundation, dedicated to the study of human consciousness. Great pleasure to meet, or to, uh, to welcome once again to the program, Dr. John Hall. Hey, John, how are you? Good, Richard. A new breed, satellite terrorism in America. First, let's dial back. Uh, as I said, you are a practicing medicine. You're an anesthesiologist. How did you, how did you, uh, fall down the rabbit hole into this, this whole arena of electronic harassment? Take us back. Well, uh, actually, I am still practicing anesthesia and pain management, but, um, I guess it was probably around 2002, 2003 when I came across a girl who was, voicing these complaints and of course you know as most of these victims her physicians all immediately wanted to send her to a psychiatrist um having known a little bit about the technology already i took her seriously and 
did some counter surveillance and some counterintelligent work uh, with her, put, you know, voice activated recorders in her place to try to verify the stalking part of it. Uh, and sure enough, uh, her place was getting broken into. Uh, she was being drugged and with rohypnol and sexually assaulted. And the interesting thing was the way she was being drugged, and that's where the mind control part comes in. They were putting rohypnol and bottled water and other food sources or drink sources in her condominium and controlling her to drink where the drugs were. And to a lot of your listeners, that may sound like science fiction, but that's exactly the way this technology works. And in dealing with this woman, would see her drink five bottles of water, just boom, 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 all in a row. And would say, you know what, I mean, are you thirsty? You're drinking a lot of water. That's your fifth bottle of water in less than an hour. And she would turn and go, well, this is my second one or my first or second one. What do you mean, fifth bottle? You know, go look in the trash. There's five bottles in there. Well, they were making sure to get her dosed up with the drugs that they had placed in the water. And then once she was drugged with rohypnol and amnestic from the rohypnol, rohypnol is a date rape drug, um, blocks your memory pretty much completely for a time period. Um, and then they would break in and for sexual assault. And that's not an uncommon thing among these female victims of this technology. This technology is being used essentially to uh, perpetuate sex slavery uh, in a lot of cases. And such was the case with this woman. We did identify the perpetrators uh, in her case. It was a former FBI guy running a private investigative agency in which he only hired his close relatives. Um, unfortunately, the part of the reason for the book was, you know, you're trying to prove intangible technology, um, say in a court of law with this. So the only thing we could go on was the sexual assault and the stalking. At the, that time, Texas laws on stalking were weak. Um, because of this case and one other case similar to it, our stalking laws have been changed. Um, and they had a hard time going after the sexual assault because of lack of memory of it on her part due to the drug. So the next best thing was to actually write the, the whole twisted story down into a book um, and hope to get some exposure of the problem. And amazingly enough, at that time, there wasn't a whole lot online about this. There were a couple of people talking about it. Uh, after the book published in 2007, 2008, I was inundated with people voicing the exact same complaints. Dr. John Hall, author of A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America, and, and we'll get to the, the satellite component and what that has to do with electronic harassment, mind control, because, uh, you know, the rohypnol, and, and when I hear rohypnol, I think of a conversation I had, um, with Sirhan Sirhan's attorney, uh, and, and, uh, this is going back, of course, you know, 1968, and, 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 you know, the lady in the polka dot dress that handed Sirhan a, uh, a pot of coffee, uh, just before he went into the, uh, the pantry at the Ambassador Hotel, and, uh, uh, allegedly, I guess I use the term allegedly shot Senator Kennedy, but uh, the, the theory is that 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 he was on rohypnol as well. Uh, so I mean, this is a drug that's been around for a long time, uh, but it's it, that's pretty low tech compared to what what is being used now, correct? Yeah, and like I said, the uh, the electronic component came in the, the way they were drugging her. You know, they that it wasn't they were putting the rohypnol in food sources and hoping she would. You eat those or drink those sources, 
um, they were actually controlling her to drink or eat those sources. Uh, and of course the rest of it, I mean, I, you know, she was having complete conversations with, uh, people that no one else around her could hear, which is called voice to skull uh, or synthetic telepathy, as you mentioned, um, in your prelog. Um, so, I mean, she was getting all the, all the symptoms that typically, uh, you see. And, you know, as you mentioned, some of the, you know, some of the technology that's actually been admitted to in the private sector, you have to remember if the private sector is admitting that, the private sector oftentimes is at least 10 or 20 years behind the government sector. Exactly. Listen, uh, uh, Doc, we'll take a time out. We'll come back and uh, continue to talk about electronic harassment, mind control, electronic torture. It's not a conspiracy theory, folks. It's a crime, and it's happening. And Dr. Hall will tell you all the sordid, horrible details when The Conspiracy Show continues right after this. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And we are here with Dr. John Hall, who has treated numerous patients who have complained about voices in their heads. Uh, We're not talking about uh, schizophrenia, folks. Uh, We're talking about a whole other kettle of fish. Uh, In any event, these individuals that have this voice-to-skull or being targeted with voice-to-skull technology, they're eventually driven to some form of well, a serious psychosis. And in his new uh, his book, A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America, he describes his relationship with his significant other, Mallory, a young woman with a bright fu- future. And upon beginning a new profession, Mallory was suddenly struck down by unexplainable happenings, mind control surveillance, stalking, rape. And uh, so Dr. Hall and others sacrificed themselves and their careers to bring her nightmare to an end. And what happened to Mallory and what is happening to uh, countless others is really the subject of a new breed, satellite terrorism in America. So this, uh, uh, we're calling her Mallory, uh, she was your fiancé, correct? Yeah, uh, yes, she was. And um, part of the reason we kind of pulled out the stops to and did a a lot of counter-surveillance and called in a lot of favors from friends in high places to find out the facts about the technology, mostly whether or not it had been commercialized. Um, like I said, I already had a, a pretty good feeling uh, about what was going on and what was being used just from prior knowledge of it. Um, but what I was most concerned about at, at that time was had it been commercialized. I mean, the technology's been around for a while. It was actually, you know, initially um, invented as a, a communication system. So war fighters or intelligence people in the field could actually communicate or be communicated to at that time uh, without use of a radio. As a matter of fact, they're working on it now, I believe, at the University of California at Berkeley uh, in a three-way system where war fighters in the field will be able to communicate thought-to-thought uh, through a link um, to each other. Uh, it, and for some time, it's been perfected to where it could be done, you know, bi-directionally between a transmitter, you know, and a a human skull or a warfighter in the field back and forth, you know, to give orders to. But now it's actually came full circle to where, I mean, you'll have two warfighters or two intelligence guys in the field being able to communicate thought to thought. It's telepathy. We're talking about telepathy here. 
Yeah, essentially, that's one way to do this synthetic telepathy. And I believe they actually, the University in California, they are calling it the synthetic telepathy lab. Um, and, you know, one of the other um, um, things that's been released that you actually mentioned was being able to decode the brain signals, you know, to determine what someone's thinking or what someone's hearing or what, you know, and that has actually came full circle in the private sector already, too. There's a researcher named Jack Dowland out at the University of California. Yes, Vermont. yes. And, uh, and he actually uh, can have um, people watch a video or watch a movie and then have them rethink about the video that they saw. And as they think about the video they saw, their brain waves are decoded back into video so uh, an observer can actually see what they're remembering. Uh, and, of course, it also can be done while they're actively watching to decode what they're actively watching. So um, as far as some people thinking the technology is far-fetched, uh, it's really not. Because if it's if we're getting that close to it in the private sector, then it's like you said, it's already been done in the government sector. And, and I mean, I know for a fact that it has been. So. And if they can, if they could read uh, our 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 minds, uh, read our intentions. I mean, how could how would that be used? For example, in 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 Mallory's case, how would that technology have been used against her? Well, that was strictly used as a tracking uh, thing and a control issue. Because basically, the synthetic telepathy, the way it works, if I put a voice in your head that sounds like me or sounds like someone unknown to you, then that becomes harassment, and you will perceive it as harassment. But if I put a voice in your head that sounds like your thoughts, uh, and everybody has a voice in their head, you, when you read a book or you read something, you're actually hearing it in your head in your own voice. If you can mimic that same pattern and that same um, voice tone, then in a lot of people that becomes a thought and they act on those thoughts, and that's precisely um, how Manchurian candidates work, or you know what we suspect some of these shooters how that is working. That you know they're they think they're acting on their own thoughts when indeed they're acting on thoughts that are that are exogenously placed there. Um, and you kind of touched on that the creating false memories uh, in mice. You know that's fairly old technology as well. As a matter of fact. For some a number of years now, we've actually had a false memory foundation, and one of the big wigs in the false memory foundation has actually uh, been Michael Persinger, you know, who's done a lot of his research at Laurentian, um, you know, there in your neck of the woods, and some time ago had said that he controlled every brain on the planet using ELF or microwave energy. So. Oh my word! And and so how many? Uh... How many people now do you have coming to you as a result of the publication of a new breed, coming to you, uh, people who believe that they are being surveilled, targeted, tortured? Uh, quite quite a few. Actually, I, I mean, I, I try actually not to, to see those people as patients, but usually just communicate through them either on the phone or through my website. Um, but, you know, the interesting thing after that book published and some of my existing patients had actually read it. You would be surprised at how many people that I had already been seeing for other, you know, just truly medical ailments that said, you know what, I read your book or I heard a radio interview with you. Know, I've had that going on for a couple of years and just didn't know what it was or have people come in and say, we, we thought we were having a haunting. Um, because oftentimes the person themselves aren't victimized, but, you know, they'll, 
they'll mess with electronics in the house. And which is kind of leads me to believe that a lot of the times you, you see people complaining of a house that's haunted or a hotel that's haunted. Um, one of the things that's common among most of these victims, you know, they will say they have, you know, electronic, they have wiring problems. You know, they have lights that come off and on on their own, garage doors that open and close on their own, um, computer that will watch somebody move the mouse, you know, not the mouse, but the, the cursor around on their computer. Um, and indeed, in San Antonio, we have a, a little neighborhood in the northwest side of San Antonio that for several years, people were complaining that their wiring was going bad, their cell phones weren't working, their garage doors were opening and closing on their own. Um, and they had complained about this for a long time. And it just so happens that this neighborhood happens to be in very close proximity to one of our now three NSA bases in San Antonio. Mm. Uh, and finally, the NSA came out after a, a news investigative story and said that they were experimenting with a new ground wave communication system that just happened to be passing through this neighborhood, uh, causing all these problems. So um, is it truly experimenting with a communication system or is it experimenting on the neighborhood with a communication system? We'll never know. But um, they did come out and admit to it and recommended that people put on some special FCC um, filter in their home wiring uh, to help stop their, their wiring from burning out. And um, I know the news did a follow-up story on that, and uh, that actually can be probably Googled from our local San Antonio news. But, uh, you know, those are the complaints that a lot of these victims are complaining about, too, not just the personal attack, but the attacks on their appliances and their electronics and, you know, their garage doors and it, basically anything that works through electricity. Now, in Mallory's case, the subject of, of uh, your book, A New Breed, uh, the the these were lower level perps. I'm guessing we're talking about a former FBI agent and and, uh, and private investigators gone bad. Uh, but then you you're, you're also talking about you know the National Security Agency and there's this there's that specter again. <laughs> I mean as, as as if anyone at this point after Edward Snowden's revelations would doubt any of the stuff that's coming out in, in regards to, you know, how low the NSA will stoop. But I'm a little confused as to, you know, who is being, who is responsible for the, for the bulk of this? Is it the low level perps, people who have some sort of vendetta or, uh, in, in the case of Mallory wanted to turn someone into their personal sex slave? Or are we talking about some high level, shadowy, rogue government agency? Well, the, and the way you look at that, and this is the, the part that's been difficult to explain and, and, and make people understand, is if you look back to MK Ultra and MK Search and Bluebird and Artichoke and you know all the cutesy names that that you know our mind control programs were given um, through the CIA in the past, which is not unique to the CIA, the NSA and the DoD all all dabbled in it early on, but. It was never done directly by those agencies. It was always done, you know, guised as legitimate university research, or it was done through front companies. Uh, the Human Ecology Fund you know, was one of them. There were several, uh, and it's still being done that way today. You're, you're right. The boots on the ground in the various communities where these people are complaining of it, I guess you could, you could probably say they're low, low-level perps or, you know, but I think the way it's probably working to give the government plausible deniability is these groups are given access to this technology because this isn't something that you you and I can Google and download onto our computer and use on someone. 
and it doesn't appear to be handheld weaponry. So if you look in the past at the way this research has been done, it's you give these these groups and each community access to the technology. You allow them to operate carte blanche. You know, they can use it however they want to use it on whomever they want to use it, you know, for whatever reason, as long as the data gets back to the appropriate agencies. And as far as that's concerned, the appropriate agencies can actually monitor the, the perpetrators themselves to get the data they want back. So one way to look at it would be the victims and the local perpetrators are probably all part of the same experiment. An experiment. That's what we're talking about here. It's an experiment, a grand, large-scale experiment. So that, uh, what, what that appears that appears to be the case, Richard. Yeah, and and, and it's to see how uh, you know how many buttons they can push, uh, how how far you know they can push someone before they can fracture their their psyche. Uh, what, what's the end game? Do we know? Well, I mean, that, you know, looking at things as a physician medically. You know, most of these victims are, that, that I've spoken to have been victimized for eight or nine, ten years or more. Um, medically, the only reason to, to do that long term of a study would be to see, you know, what type of weird illnesses, weird cancers, you know, blood problems are going to come from being exposed 24-7, you know, to large amounts of non-ionizing radiation or electromagnetic radiation. You know, that would be one reason to do it. And, you know, the other reason is, you know, we, I think we all agree now that we have a government that's too big. We have a government that no longer fears the people and a government that wants control. And it's certainly a lot easier to control people electromagnetically than it is with, you know, guns, bullets, or taxes. So, uh, and even Vladimir Putin, uh, in Russia at least came out and admitted that they have psychotronic weaponry and that they're actively working on psychotronic weaponry. And he himself said that whichever country controlled the best psychotronics would control the globe without missiles or bullets. So none of our media picked up on that lecture that he gave. I had one call, one news agency called me for comment on it, and that was El Spectador uh, out of Colombia in South America. So, um, you know, it, it, at least one country's admitted to having it. Um, as far back as the Branch Davidian crisis in Waco, uh, our own FBI did meet with um, Igor Shmirnov from Russia, who was one of the developers of voice-to-skull technology, uh, and wanted to use it on David Koresh at that time. But the Russian software wouldn't work with American FBI computers, so the idea was scrapped. But they did meet with uh, Shmirnov's people to try and use it. So, uh, And I think that was in Newsweek at the time. So, you know, the technology's actually been around for a while. It's just been kept pretty close to the vest. Dr. John Hall, author of A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America. The website, doctor, is satweapons.com? That's it. Satweapons.com. You mentioned the uh, extremely low frequency, the ELF. We'll all remember, of course, the, the horrible shooting at the Washington Naval Yard where the shooter... Alexis Aaron, or Aaron Alexis, carved into the, the butt of his rifle, my ELF weapon. What do you think he was intending? What message was he intending to impart there, my ELF weapon? Well, based on some of his emails, um, you know, he had emailed Freedom from Covert Surveillance and Harassment, a um, humanitarian group that deals with a lot of the victims of this, and several times and had very same sounding emails. I mean, he, uh, you know, did make the comment that, you know, he had a clearance and, 
um, that he had worked for the DOD and worked for the Navy and, and he knew what this technology was, was questioning on how to defeat the sleep deprivation he was going through. The inscription he put on the shotgun, I think, was meant more in a vengeful way, you know, that he had done some research and found out that a lot of this technology was being researched at the Navy Yard uh, in a, another building close to the Navy Yard. I think that was strictly uh, a vengeful inscription that he was going there to attack, at least where he perceived his attacks from coming from. All right, Dr. Hall, we'll take a time out. We'll come back and uh, continue to delve into electronic harassment, torture, mind control. And uh, we will find out the uh, the connection between satellites and this horrible, heinous crime. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. He speaks the truth, Dr. Hall. Uh, here's the story right here. Using functional magnetic resonance imaging and computational models, UC Berkeley researchers have succeeded in decoding and reconstructing people's dynamic visual experiences, in this case, watching Hollywood movie trailers. As yet, the technology can only reconstruct movie clips people have already viewed. However, the breakthrough paves the way for reproducing the movie inside our heads that no one else sees, such as dreams and memories, according to researchers. This is a major leap forward, reconstructing internal imagery, said Professor Jack Gallant, a UC Berkeley neuroscientist and co-author of the study published online today, that was uh, last year, in the journal Current Biology. We're opening a window into the movies in our minds. So again, I say, if they're going public with this, how much further down the road are they? I would suspect decades, perhaps. Dr. Hall, back to the extremely low-frequency, non-ionizing radiation. And, of course, we are swimming in a virtual electronic smog. Uh, We're surrounded by cell towers and smart meters and baby monitors, and we're attached at the hip, literally, with our smartphones, you know, microwaves everywhere. So how do we, or how do you, as a physician, separate someone who is simply electronic sensitive, who has an adverse reaction to this non-ionizing radiation, and someone who is actually being targeted? You know, Richard, sometimes that's hard to do. And as a physician, certainly, you know, I'm not going to deny that mental illness doesn't exist, that, you know, there are people that are schizophrenic or or have delusional disorder. Uh, And sometimes it's difficult to tell where they, you know, having mental problems, you know, prior to being victimized, are they having mental problems due to victimization, or are they just having mental problems? And that that is a, a real difficult challenge uh, in a lot of these cases. Um, now, in most of the legitimate cases that I've seen, uh, most of these people are very, very well educated, were highly functioning. Uh, most of the people I've dealt with have been professionals, doctors, lawyers, you know, people like that, that can pinpoint the day that most of this started, and usually it was in later in life, in the late 30s, early 40s, um, which is kind of beyond the diagnostic um, point where really you would call someone schizophrenic. Schizophrenics, you know, typically are not right from an early age. I mean, that's identified in, in males, usually at 16 to 18, and females, you know, from 16 to 21. So, you know, that kind of is taken off of the board in, in most of these people. And that's why typically if they do get parked in front of a psychiatrist, they usually end up getting a delusional disorder type diagnosis that 
means that uh, they're having delusions of persecution that are unrealistic for their position in life. You know, if, if you know if you came in saying that everybody's following me and I'm being spied on, well, that's delusional. Now, if you were a spy, you know, working for the government and came in and said that, then that would be perfectly fine and and within the norm for your possible lifestyle. So, um, and it's no mistake that it is looked at that way by psychiatrists because from the beginning most of these projects were headed up by psychiatrists so um there it's it's not coincidental that this technology mimics mental illness it's meant to do that so and it's meant to make it hard to tell whether somebody's being victimized experimented on or if they're mentally ill i would imagine that also it would be someone with mental illness, an underlying mental uh, health issue, or someone with an addiction, that would provide great cover for whoever these perps are. If they wanted to target somebody, why wouldn't they pick on someone that already has a mental health issue? Well, they they do. Historically, they always have. Uh, if you go, Like I said, a lot of this we have to base on information from Freedom of Information based on MKUltra. And if you look at a lot of those projects, they were done on foster children in foster, you know, homes. Willowbrook School was one of them. They were done on prisoners that are incarcerated in our prisons, military guys, um, you know, people with addiction or drug problems that already were known, people that are already self-discredited. Now, that was historically, and it's still some of that's being done today, but because it can be done remotely now and you don't have to be lured into a lab or put into a mental hospital under a false diagnosis anymore, which is typically what was, you know, done by Ewan Cameron and at McGill University, you know, again, up in your neck of the woods, um, they took women and told them that, you know, instead of postpartum depression, they said you have overt psychiatric disease and you need to be kept in-house, and then they experimented on them. With vast well, now, dosages of LSD. And 900 times normal electroconvulsive therapy and, you know, playing tapes of a new personality under them. I mean, you know, those are verified facts. You know, we've had to work with some of those people to get... Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Dr. John Hall stays with us for a few moments yet, talking about electronic harassment. It's all outlined in his uh, book, A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America. You can learn more at his website, www.sat.com. Weapons.com. So, how is this torture being delivered via satellite, Dr. Hall? Well, you know, and that's been a big question in this topic among a lot of the people you see blogging about it is the delivery system. I'll tell you why I titled the book I did and was based on a little bit of knowledge of the, of the technology. And like I said, I called in some favors some from people that are still currently in the CIA. And believe it or not, there are a lot of people within government who are against this. Uh, they unfortunately can't come out publicly at a risk of being, you know, labeled like Edward Snowden and having to move themselves and their families to another country. But there are people willing to give up a little bit of information. And I talked to one of my contacts to ask if this had been commercialized and kind of already knew most of it was being done via satellite. And they verified that, you know, yes, they did have now weapon systems platforms on satellite. 
So at least that's one delivery system we're sure about. Now, I know there's a lot of blogs I've seen where they're saying it's being done with, um, you know, radar guns or handheld weapons or miniaturized directed energy weapons that can be buried in the home. But I know of, from my research and from my knowledge, there's really nothing much that's been miniaturized just yet uh, as far as directed energy. And in talking to many of the victims, when you live in an apartment complex, you always suspect that it's somebody around you, not somebody remote. But when you actually look at the, the true research on it, you can take these people into an area where there's no cell phone towers, no electrical grid, and they still get attacked. You can take them onto a boat in the ocean, they still get attacked. And when they travel across country, even in a plane, they're still victimized. And there's only one or two technologies that can follow you everywhere, and one of them is satellite. So, you know, the title of the book was based on just what I could verify factually actually exist. And how would an individual be targeted, let's say, from a, a satellite that's anywhere from, I'm, I'm not sure at what level in the atmosphere, anywhere from 20, I suppose, to 2,000 miles up there? Uh, do we, do we, are they, are they honing in on some sort of a brain signature that we emit? Well, that's one of the theories and one of the things that I actually was confided in was that that is one way it's being done is through brain fingerprinting. That, you know, your EEG actually gives off a very low L-wave signal that, believe it or not, can actually be processed remotely. You know, another revelation that's come here out recently, which may apply to tracking of a human body, too, is the NSA has actually came out, or, you know, I don't think they came out with it, but it was exposed through some other foreign intelligence agencies, the way they monitor computers. And the way they do that is with a small chip in the cord between the computer and the monitor. It's actually in the monitor cord. And that is bombarded with continuous wave radar, CWR. And when the chip is bombarded in the cord, it transmits up to eight miles away everything that's going from your computer through the cord to the monitor. So essentially, they're getting real-time data that can be stored of everything that comes across your monitor. Uh, with almost a, a, a gigawatt of energy being placed around you and your computer when they do it, which would explain why you're seeing a lot of these little, you know, antennas popping up around the countryside with chain link fence around them. They're receiving stations. Um, one of the other theories is that when the human body is uh, bombarded with continuous wave radar, that your DNA itself resonates uh, and can be picked up, which would be individual you know, would be an identifier for each individual. So there's a lot of theories on it. Of course, the only people who know the facts are the people that are working with it. But as you know, if you look at low tech, we have body image technology, facial image technology and recognition um, that works fairly well, you know, not indoors, but when somebody's outdoors. And we have FLIR imaging now, which can actually look indoors as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of technologies out there that can accomplish this. Some of the ones being used specifically in electromagnetic targeting are yet to be classified, but I imagine it's going to come back similar to the way they're monitoring computers and cell phones. Cell phones monitored with CWR, your battery can be out and your SIM card can be out, and they can still power up the phone enough to make it transmit. In fact, I believe several years ago, the, it was the FBI or the CIA were bragging that that's how they nailed some drug kingpins in the United States. They were monitoring conversations, even though the cell phones were ostensibly turned off. Not only that, and they can monitor the money itself. You know, the American dollar bills 
have an RFID in them, and you can actually drive down the street using FLIR imaging and see where the stacks of money are in the house, and especially in the drug trade, you know, that's all done with copious amounts of cash. So, you know, when they are monitoring a home that they suspect and they see a closet full of cash, that's then all you have to do is, is make up a reason, you know, to come to the door with a, a warrant. And then, oh, my gosh, look, we discovered a closet full of cash. That's another way they're actually dealing with the drug trade. What about some of the biological effects that, that people complain about? Uh, heart palpitations, the ability to slow someone's heart rate down, speed it up, maybe even stop their heart. What appears to be doing that mostly is you can target individual organs, of course, with directed energy. But, you know, when you're targeting the brain, the brain controls everything. So you, know, you can target the centers that actually you know, raise or lower the heart rate. A lot of these victims complain of uh, severe heartburn that comes on quickly and goes away quickly despite treatment. Um, that's probably microwave heating of the mucosa, the stomach, causing acute um, gastric acid release. Some of the other complaints are numbness in the fingers or the thumb while they're trying to use the computer to discourage computer use, body twitching, seizures. You know, now, what we do know of electromagnetic energy exposure from some of the studies, because you got to remember a lot of the electromagnetic energy studies are actually done by cell phone you know, companies or they're done by people looking to see what the, the long-term effects of cell phone use are going to be. Some of those studies are actually covered by the cell phone companies themselves. So, of course, those studies say, no, there's nothing wrong with having a cell phone on 24-7 next to your head. Those coming out of Europe that are done independently are saying, oh, yeah, there's a lot wrong with having a cell phone next to your head. But some of the things that we have seen are premature aging, premature cataract development, men, um, lower levels of uh, fertility, you know, of course, the heart problems, brain cancers, um, various things that this can cause. So, I mean, we know for a fact that there are some medical issues that can be caused by even small amounts of electromagnetic energy being around you all the time. Now, what we're talking about with continuous wave radar or very large amounts of electromagnetic energy, and that hasn't been studied at all um, because it would mostly be unethical to study it, at least on humans. You were talking about uh, psychotronic weapons, and, and you know, there's that old saying, uh, "If where there's a law, there must be a problem. And about a dozen years ago or more, um, uh, a couple of congressmen, Dennis Kucinich, and, and I believe uh, former astronaut John Glenn was involved in this bill as well. It was... Um, it was the uh, the preservation of space bill, and it, it wasn't passed. Uh, but it was interesting what got mentioned and included in that spe- preservation space bill. And it wa- one of the things mentioned was psychotronic weaponry. Do you remember yeah, that bill? That, 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 yes, that was that was yeah that was Dennis Kucinich that wrote that bill. Uh, John Glenn was involved in another bill that I'll mention. But uh, Dennis Kucinich wrote that, and in its original wording, it specifically mentioned weapons used to alter sensorium or alter mental status. Um, by the time it made it to Congress, most of that had been watered down and taken out of it, and it didn't pass anyway. And, uh, but that was an attempt to try to not weaponize space. Well, the European Union and Russia both also had um, you know, legislation that they tried to pass through the UN, a treaty, to not weaponize space, and one of the countries that refused to sign was ours, was the U.S. Uh, John Glenn actually tried to pass legislation making experimenting on the public without consent illegal. Uh, he wrote a bill uh, requiring informed consent 
for any type of experimentation done on the public, including intelligence agency experimentation, and that was also shot down in Congress. So I, I think people would be uh, shocked uh, to 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 uh, to know that that we can be experimented on without our knowledge or permission. Yeah, I mean, in, in, now I don't know about Canadian laws where you're at. I know in the U.S. Uh, experimentation is governed by a, a, legis- a bill of legislation called the Common Rule, and and it's a pretty hefty uh, piece of work. Um, there's a lot of legalese and a lot of writing that essentially amounts to meaning nothing in it because there's so many distractors within the common rule that allow intelligence agencies to experiment on the public, one of which even says if it's in the best interest of the experimentation to notify the experimentees after the fact, which is typically what our government's done. You know, we had MKUltra, then we had 20, 30 years later, we had the Rockefeller Committee and the Church Commission, and, you know, they had an apology. We had Tuskegee syphilis studies. Forty years later, you know, their survivors got an apology. We experimented on people in Guatemala. Twenty years later, you know, Hillary Clinton, you know, gave an apology. And then Obama called for the Bioethics Commission, which I spoke at the Bioethics Commission, at least on one of the meetings. And they had a whole board of apologists, ethicists from Harvard and Yale, who all claimed that that the you know, atrocities that we saw with experimentation were post-World War II that our current legislation protects the public, I was the only medical person there who pointed out the flaws in the common rule that it doesn't protect the public adequately, that we did need the bill that uh, Senator John Glenn had written. Four meetings, over a 1,000 people complaining of directed energy experimentation at each one, and in the end of the day, they still published a report saying that there didn't appear to be any non-consensual experimentation ongoing. So... What would you say? I mean, here you are, a medical doctor. What would you say to people out there listening tonight who would say this can't be happening? This isn't. This is just beyond the pale. It's science fiction. Well, for one, I would say you know I've got a new book coming out that goes point by point over all the experimentation and all the technology called Guinea Pigs: Technologies of Control. That'll be out hopefully here in the next few months. Uh, all you have to do is look back historically. And if, if you don't believe what you're reading on the blogs, which I don't blame most people, look at freedom of information. That's coming straight from the government. You can see the direction that this technology was headed from the start. Um, and you can see that read the common rule for yourself. Get the legislation on human experimentation. There is nothing really protecting us from experimentation, especially within intelligence agencies. Experimentation is supposed to be done with a, um, a review board. Um, if it's black budgeted, not only are you not going to even know if there is a, a review board, um, but you're not going to even know what the experimentation is to to try to police it. So one of the things that you know, in my next book coming out is some of the things we need to correct is the government itself and society itself. Is it too late? I mean, is it too late to stop this? Are we, are we just, you know, how many minutes to midnight before we're all being targeted, tortured, harassed? Well, you know, according to, you know, one of my good friends, Dr. Robert Duncan, I don't know if you've ever had him on your show. I have indeed, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, he helped develop or worked on some of the projects that led up to this technology. I know he thinks it's a little too late uh, to stop it. And, and as I've said before, there are good uses for this technology. They're just not being used. And I think most of us probably would say in a field of war, don't mind it being used as a wartime weapon, just not on innocent people. 
So I think we're going to need societal change and we're going to need government change. We're going to need to hold our government accountable to a standard of ethics and morality. Dr. Hall, thank you so much for your time. And uh, the book, again, A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America. And we'll look forward to the next one on guinea pigs shortly. Thanks. Thanks, Richard. 